0: Howdy. This is a... Uh, fuck. Welcome to the fail... Uh, uh. No, 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 I got this. I got this. All right. Welcome to the Art of the Fail. This is a podcast hosted by Christian Borgesan, co-founder of Bruja, and myself, Chris Buttonham, co-founder of OB.ai. We chat with startups and entrepreneurs about their failures in hopes to uncover incredible lessons and unmask the stigma around failing today. Nobody likes this shit. Let's just get started with the show. Okay, uh, so everyone, we're back here with you, and we have an awesome guest today. Uh, Tom Hadfield of Message.io. I met uh, Tom a while ago now, but about a year and a bit ago, Um, we've met first met in person. Um, at Botanist in, in down in Austin, where you're from. Um, but Tom, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and uh, a little bit of what what do you do?
1: Great. Hi Chris. Hi Christian. Thanks for uh, having me. Really excited for the conversation. Um, so yeah, I'm, my name's Tom Hatfield. I'm the CEO of MessageIO. We're based here in Austin, Texas. Um, when I was a kid uh, in 1995, I set up a soccer website um, called SoccerNet, uh, which was sold to ESPN uh, um, in 1999 when I was 17. Um, and it basically, uh, stopped attending high school somewhere along the way, uh, to work on, on SoccerNet. Uh, and since then I've just done a series of venture backed startups. Um, some of which have worked out and some of which haven't. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we just love to pick a couple of those stories and, um, um, you know, kind of reflect on them with, uh, with you both over the next half an hour or so.
0: That's awesome. I, I uh, parents wouldn't necessarily love me, but I would, I would follow the the Tom Hadfield uh, way of just bailing from school and <laughs> and building businesses. Some of us, some of us learn by doing. That's definitely true. That's right. Yeah. Know, knowing yourself a bit. So, uh, Tom, before we get into um, some of uh, some of your stories, and and um, excited to dig into that. Basically, like what what we like to do is start off um, with a couple fuck ups of of recent days between Christian and I. So, Christian, do you want to start with uh,
2: one of your recent fuck ups? Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll hop into it. So, we recently had an event where we advanced a large portion of the ticket sales. We're an online ticketing provider, so we advanced a portion of the ticket sales to the client um, because we were testing out this custom payout solution to see what would work best for the client having cash on hand whether they'd have to pay for the venue staff etc so part of that obviously we were doing our due diligence everything checked out the event was happening the person was legit um, and sure enough about two days before the event was happening it actually ended up getting cancelled by the venue because they didn't receive any payment um, Later, we then found out that no one actually received any payment. So then we were kind of stuck in this sticky situation where we advanced a large portion of those ticket sales, and because we were the vendor, we had a lot of people coming back to us saying, "Hey, I want a refund." Um, And now, usually that money is held in trust, so that wouldn't have been an issue, but because we were testing out this payout solution, (laughs) it became an issue. Um, So I guess, you know, long story short, the the lesson learned there on our end was just that we we kind of have to make sure that um, Everything is in place when it comes to the legals and You know no matter how much due diligence you do you, you can always do more Well, it's tough being in the in the middle man in that situation, isn't it? Yeah, very tough. Yeah.
0: Yeah um, So my fuck up this, so this, you mean you made me feel better about this one. So I'm going to just share Thank a you. minor, a minor fuck up, um, that isn't related to business, but we can, we can sort of take from that. So, um, I go, I, I typically get up at 5:30 every morning to go to the gym. And, um, for those that know me, I have a terrible back and, uh, I injured myself, um, uh, back in January like even more than I already was and so I've been slowly recovering and seeing a specialist to um, Try and get it back in, in in good shape, but this morning when I went to the gym I uh, I sort of tweaked to get tweaked it again, and uh, And I just I, I was overdoing it and I for some reason instead of leaving the gym. I just kept working out and um, And I think the lesson there learned there is just listening to your body and that, that could, the same could be said for um business i i'm a big proponent on listening to your gut and um and usually 9 times out of 10 whether you're listening to your body or you're listening to your gut you're probably right and if my my philosophy is even if you're not the the speed in which you gain from making a quick decision and and being sort of pragmatic about it um means that you'll you'll win yeah so that's it. those are the the fuck ups of the
2: of the recent so days. I'll, I will kind of hop back in okay. here and say that we were able to reconcile those payments so, <laughs> so everything is, is all clear that's on that good. front yeah. yeah, good that's good yeah probably uh,
0: probably much noted okay, cool so Tom, I think um it, it's funny when you were when we were sort of planning for this this episode um you sent me some articles that, that we'll share with, with the listeners. Um, and I had no idea about any of this, and I was absolutely fascinated. Again, just um, as I was saying, Christian and I, obviously, the, the whole point of this podcast is that we're... Uh, big proponents of learning from failures and that's sort of how we learn is anecdotally and and so when I heard uh what you wanted to talk about I was I was thrilled so uh so why don't you why don't you kick it off with a story or two and then we can uh, make it conversational
1: yeah great I appreciate you saying that uh Chris so um the topic one one failure that I'd love to start with um is my prior company actually to this one um uh which was called Fetch um so fetch was a personal buying assistant app um uh it became a uh, um an sms based uh buying assistant where you could send a text message um t- to fetch uh describing something that you wanted to buy and then one of our human agents would go and find the best price for that product online uh which they would check for coupon codes send you a message with the price um, which you could approve just by responding uh, by text, uh, and we would then place the order for you on your behalf and charge your credit card behind the scenes.
0: So you uh, were doing conversational business before it was cool.
1: That's right. You know, it's Chris, <laughs> Messina, uh, Chris Messina um, uh, wrote his article um, uh, about conversational commerce where he kind of coined the phrase, um, you know, right as we were launching Fetch and, and um uh and, and featured fetch in that article and so um yeah the, in the spring of 2014 there were um, a few other services like this which launched uh, shortly after us one was called magic uh which you may remember um there was go butler um this operator oh, yeah. um and uh you know all of us raised a few million dollars in venture capital um and were kind of pioneering in this conversational commerce space um, and, uh, li- little did we know, um, kind of the learnings that were going to come from this, um, um, you know, and, and it, but there were lots of highs and lows basically. So I thought that might be a good, um, topic to to start with.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to hear more.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we, um, you know, I guess it, it's easy to kind of gloss over even just arriving at the initial idea, you know, we, we basically Fetch was many things before it became fetch, right, all of which sure. failed very quickly, you know, sure. we kind of zigzag um, towards the uh, the market uh, that you end up in. Um, and so the original company was actually called Yappy, which stood for Your API, and the idea was about um, giving individuals an API for sharing their personal data, um, and that led us to... Uh, a discovery about mining the inbox uh, for personal data and so we ended up creating a new product called reward.me which would scan your inbox for e-commerce receipts uh, and then try and uh, get better prices for products you'd purchased and use the price guarantee um, uh, with the retailer to get a refund Um, and then one day one of the early users said well why are you trying to find the best price after you've After I've made a purchase, why not ask me beforehand what I want to purchase and so so basically in rapid succession, uh, you know the first few alpha products uh, failed, you know, and um, uh, And thank goodness they did Um, but they were always kind of leading us a Little bit closer to this idea of making it really easy for people to buy things um and, and when you look back it, it it kind of feels like it was a coherent set of steps but at the time it was just like uh it felt a little bit like wandering in the dark not knowing where you're going to end up um yeah but, it, but even even just getting to
0: the initial idea was uh was a series of failures well so i mean i know with with us um with obi uh that the obi's concept at hand is purely based on a on a pivot and um so just to give you you and everyone else context um before we built a conversational business it was you know trying to solve this knowledge management problem via a web app and and realize people don't want more fucking software Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and that's like literally the only reason why ob exists and i mean it's it's one of what could probably be many pivots um you know throughout the the course of our company but um what i'm interested to know on your end tom is how you you said there's a you know a few different successions there how long before you realized that it was time to pivot was there you know for, for me sometimes you'll just get that one last piece of customer feedback or that one last data point that is just all right yep that's it we gotta we gotta change gears like What's what's the thought process there? Yeah, so I
1: think that um, uh, basically a couple of thoughts. So, so the first is um, you basically keep going with the idea you have or the product you have until you think of something better. <laughs> right? And so, uh, and 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 the thing, then you realize you're getting more it's and, more, exi- more, and okay. more excited, more and more excited about the new thing, and less and less excited about the old thing. And at a certain point. Um, that ratio um, divide is, is so great that you switch. Um, the in my experience, particularly in the very early days of of uh, starting a company, kind of you know um, pre product market fit, you're um, you basically have a decent instinct, a gut feeling about this even before you launch it, uh, you know, on product hunt or whatever. Um, and and really, it's about trying to uncover what that gut instinct is <laughs> and learning how to listen to it. Um, and you know, often within a day or two of putting it on product hunt and just looking at the data, um, you have a sense of whether you need to double down and and make the changes to the user experience to make it work. Um, Or whether you just let this one go and quickly move on to something else based on a learning that you've had or a new idea you've had. And so it it might, I mean, these were roughly eight week cycles, I think, you know, fairly quick. Um, uh, You know, and then that's like from the point of idea conception to building the alpha prototype to developing the brand and building out the front end. Uh, to launching something and, and that's eight weeks. And, uh, and so we tried to compress that as much as possible. Yeah. And, wow, and that's crazy. And really within a week or two of launching something, being ready to, um, uh, what's the phrase that, uh, my wife's a writer and, um, she has a, uh, uh kill your darlings.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And,
1: yeah, yeah. and yeah, um, you know, being, being ready to do that quickly, basically, um, because you compress that time period, then you can move quicker basically. And so accepting the inevitability or almost inevitability um of your first few ideas or products failing will lead you to what you're meant to be working on much more quickly
0: right yeah that that's uh, honestly that's fascinating i think um there's a ton of learnings there because i've i've um particularly and i'm sure you have too christian like watched companies at least in our ecosystem spend years like spinning their literally years you're saying eight eight weeks you you've basically validated whether or not this thing's got legs well to and, yeah
1: so that's the first pass right and i i now just to make the exact opposite argument which um uh, which is the, the 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 macro point here which is um fetch overall just to like briefly you know succinctly describe the um the trajectory. So we we launched a TechCrunch Disrupt. Um, we, uh, we signed up, uh, I think you know, fifty or sixty thousand users. Uh, we and I proce- gotta
0: share the the link to that TechCrunch article because <laughs> you may or may not be shirtless. <laughs> it's
1: it's on the it's on the web forever now. Unfortunately, the um, and you know we sold a few million dollars worth of um, of, of product um, uh, uh, GMV and. Um, uh, and, and basically over the course of about 18 to 24 months um, kind of struggled to make the unit economics work given the high labor cost um, of, of the buying assistance uh, uh, and, and really the original vision to replace the humans with AI um, became clear it was, was a, um, not, not a trivial task. Um, and, and so the just jumping to the end of the story to make the point, which is... You know basically from month 24 to 36 i you know was the most persistent um you know and and refused to let go basically like i i I wanted to make sure that i tried every single possible thing um and and that involved all kinds of uh you know zigzags uh of, of the opposite kind within the general area of fetch um and um you know, basically wanted to just not my investors to know in particular, having taken their money that I had done every single possible thing before, um, uh, accepting that, uh, that it wasn't going to work. And so, so on the one hand at the, at the beginning of the journey, I think being nimble and, and, you know, throwing out first drafts fairly quickly. On the other hand, I think, you know, hanging in there, uh, even beyond where almost every sane person would have gone. Um, uh, is kind of your obligation as a as a startup founder who has taken other people's hard-earned money uh, and and put it to work. And so, so I, I don't want to overemphasize this, you know, willingness to just quickly compress um, the cycles and move on. Like I, I think that yeah. in a macro sense, you got to hang in there um, beyond what other people would. It's the that's the job.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, I think one of the points i want to double click on if um if you're willing is is the fundraising piece of it so you know both christian and i's company has taken a small amount of money not millions um but you know that definitely is in the back of my mind all the time Mm -hmm. where um you know we haven't been at this for eight weeks we've been at this for a couple of years and you know through different iterations and and we like we like what we're seeing so far but you know at the back at the back of your head, there's always that, that scratching, um, you know, well, is, you know, is the industry on time, uh, is the traction, is the traction good? Like you said, is the unit, uh, economics working? And, but at the end of the day, I know a lot of the, you know, the nagging in the back of my head is, well, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let these people down. I'm not gonna, you know, they believed in me. And <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I want to fulfill that to them. I don't know how you feel about that, Christian. Right.
2: Yeah. Same way. And even um, as you start to build a team around that, right, then you have your team to to look after too, and, and to be responsible for as well. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a good point too. So we um,
1: we uh, you know we we raised just over three million dollars uh, in three separate rounds, um, uh, all as uh, convertible notes. Um, and it definitely, uh, you know, from 23 different people, uh, angel investors, all of whom were basically the 23 people I respect most in the world, um, uh, whose friendships and relationships are really, really, really valued. Um, uh, and this was them backing me uh, and, and, and saying they believed in me. And so um, that, that was the thing that I lost most sleep over, literally, um, um, in, in that final year when we were trying everything to to try and make this work and uh, i felt such a sense of obligation and debt literally to those uh, 23 people that when i then started my next business after we finally closed down fetch uh, i gave those 23 investors in fetch a total of 15 percent of the common stock Mm. in the new company Um, didn't need to do that. Um, didn't ask for anything in return. Um, but I felt like they, um, were owed it. Um, and so now with this new company, which, you know, we've just recently closed our series A and, and things are going well. Um, uh, one of the motivating forces for me is that sense of obligation to my prior company's investors. Um, and, um, you know, I'm determined to get that money back to them, uh, you know, hopefully many times over. And, uh, and so that right. was, that was one of the difficult things that related to the failure of Fetch was, was the, I didn't want it to negatively impact my relationship with, um, with these people.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was going to be my, excuse me, literally my next question was, um, how did you proceed from that? Like, yeah, what was the next move for them? And, and, and then when you, when you raised, so Fetch was, was right before message.io, right? that's right although message.io of course went through
1: the same eight-week cycles at the beginning and and, uh you know (laughs) it was initially called prompt we got into y combinator yeah um uh with an idea called prompt uh and um fortunately y combinator helped accelerate the failure of the prompt idea (laughs) um and enabled us to then give birth to message.io while at Y Combinator, um, I'm
0: curious what was what prompt was was about
1: So prompt was again in a similar space It was the command line interface for the real world. Uh, and so the idea was you could send a text message um, to do anything not just buy things um, and uh, We had a system of uh, commands and syntax and so you could do at E trade by 100 FB to buy shares uh, and complete the transaction by text message. You could do at weather nine four nine four one to to get the weather uh, for that zip code um, and fifty other commands that we built um, and and we uh, you know released an SDK so the developers could build their own commands for prompt um, and um, you know this was around the time of the kind of F eight um, hype yeah. uh, cycle yeah. um, uh, around bots and. Um, so that was, you know, and obviously you can see how that kind of evolved from Fetch into Prompt and why I felt some debt towards my Fetch investors for basically having funded the learning journey that created, uh, that enabled me to create the next company. Um, and so it, it is like this ongoing zigzag, basically, um, you know, just getting closer and closer to the um, the thing. And, and and again, that's part of the persistence and just the belief um, uh, um, that it's getting, getting closer each time and um uh so yeah it just happens to be in a different corporate entity you know and um uh, but it's all part of the same
0: journey um now to to prompt and um you know applications like that just made me think of of something and and i'm asking in in terms of of the failure um was do you feel like a part of that was the the width of the application so, I mean, I obviously I compare um, what we're doing to all kinds of companies every day. And um, especially in conversational business, not that I want to go down this rabbit hole, but I think it's just interesting from um, like an anecdotal standpoint. Do you think that, um, you know, because, you know, with that that concept of prompt, there's literally infinite amount of inputs and when a user, user's perception of going to prompt and being like, um, you know, once they at E-Trade buy X number of this stock and then they want to, you know, order coffee and that command isn't there. Do you think that had anything to do with it or was it just?
1: Yeah, and I think, yes, I do. And I, and I think that um, it gets to kind of the ability to learn from mistakes basically right and so one of the learnings from the user testing is that conversational applications are best when they're very narrowly focused on doing one thing really really well um and i think the conventional wisdom emerged during our time of creating prompts that um that there will not be one bot to rule them all um right and and so then that's a fairly you know well accepted uh uh, kind of learning from you know 2015, 16, basically, and um, um, and and so part of doing something really new is that no one knows those things yet; they haven't yet been learned, you know. And um and, and so I think that you kind of accumulate these learnings, um, which I think is, I think is a different type of learning from, from those where others have made the same mistakes before and. You can avoid those by, um, you know, having great advisors and mentors and investors, and um, and reading a lot. Uh, for example. Um, as a way to avoid the mistakes that are known, right? There's the known <laughs> and the unknown yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, kind of minefields. Um, and so, you know, for example, or the, art of the fail it, podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. The uh, <laughs> right. And so, you know, for example, one of the things that I learned at Fetch that I feel like many entrepreneurs had learned before me, and I hadn't fully internalized their learnings, um, was that we scaled the business before we had positive unit economics, and so. Uh, and, and, and I kick myself now because I, I see that written a lot <laughs> and, and somehow, you yeah. know, I didn't, uh, live that, you know, and so we, our user base was growing a lot. We were, you know, we're on the today, sh- you know, uh, the, the morning TV shows, um, uh, and you know, it was exciting. And so we raised more money to fuel the growth, um, and, you know, focused on top line GMV, um, uh, kind of metrics, instead of really digging into the unit economics and and getting them positive before you know uh, scaling the business, and and I could have avoided that mistake uh, in hindsight. You know, as, as part of this kind of post mortem of fetch, um, uh, that was one of the knowable um, you know minefields, um, and and so. Uh, I, I find that interesting, right? Because I, I, I do think as an entrepreneur, there are things you can do, obviously, to increase your likelihood of success right? or decrease yeah. the likelihood of failure. Um, and and when you look back after the end of a company in particular, um, I think it's helpful to look at the mistakes that were made and think, which of those could I have known and which of those could I not have known, right? And yeah. um, uh, that's partly, you know, um, uh, anyway, yeah, it's part of the analysis that, that needs to be done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, the point I wanted to make there was, do you feel like Y Combinator really helped with that? Cause I've, so, you know, n- not everyone is fortunate enough to go through a program like Y Combinator or, um, we were bl- blessed to be a part of 500 Startups and even, even Christian, um, uh, this company Brujas is, is in a local incubator here. Um, and you know, I think that was one of the big takeaways for me, you know, even on the local level, I, I obviously like YC is, you know, is king. Um, but I think a lot of that is just like some of it, you know, and like you said, y- you've, you've read a bunch of things or you've been told things, but you haven't internalized them. For me, like 500 just kicked us in the ass. Mm-hmm. It was like this deploying this um, sense of being pragmatic um, more than anything um, Christian what do you
2: feel about that in terms of like the local ecosystem and uh yeah it's it's really one of those things where like you don't really know what to expect i mean you might to to some degree until you actually fully go through it and fully commit with it right and when you're actually around an office space with you know anywhere from five to ten to twenty to fifty plus other companies there right then then you realize that other people are going through the same situations that you're going through currently maybe they've done very similar things in the past um my favorite part obviously you know we've talked about this a few times is just the access of knowledge and shared resources amongst these ecosystems um and even there again that's something that we've talked about like community right exactly it's all it's all about community um and and not even from the you know, people or the managers in the ecosystem or in the incubator, sorry, the founders themselves. How, how can we together as founders help continue to develop this community? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, each founder, each company has to execute. Did you find that with,
0: with YC, Tom? Is that, was that your first time going through YC?
1: It was, and I and I and I'd recommend that everyone apply um, every cycle for <laughs> twice a year. You know, it's um, uh, a, a really helpful experience that does accelerate the um, um, uh, your your path to success or failure, basically. And um, the I think one of the toughest things as an entrepreneur is knowing what advice to listen to from whom on which topics, right? And so there's a lot of advice out there yeah. um, and, yeah. and not yeah. of all of it is right, you know? And so um, like kind of filtering the uh all of the uh, uh sources of uh, advice and guidance that you get as an entrepreneur and, and choosing which pieces of nuggets of wisdom to listen to i think is is kind of part of the part of the job um
0: yeah that so. that 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 point bugs me too because i think it's it's the job of let's say somebody at an accelerator and an incubator it's it's literally their um responsibility is the word i was looking for to ensure that they're not talking out of their ass and giving advice that they have no business giving. Like that was half the point of, of Christian and I starting this podcast was I'm not claiming to be an expert on, on anything, let alone, you know, like entrepreneurship and, um, and, and that's in part of the format of it being anecdotal and, you know, just talking about stories and actually doing stuff and whether it worked or whether it didn't work. Um, that we know is is for sure, right, right.
1: And you know it's such a val- your, your time is such a valuable commodity when you're starting a business because you literally have a certain number of days to live, you know and and, yeah. and so the, the seconds are ticking down towards the death of the company uh, unless you do something, <laughs> unless you do something that tra- changes its trajectory. And so Paul Graham That's talks right. about being default dead or default alive, uh, which is if your revenue continues to grow at the rate that it has. Do you get to cash flow positive before your bank balance goes to zero? And if not, then which is most comp- startups, early stage startups uh, do not, then you're default dead. Like, unless something changes, yeah. you're going you're, you're right. to die. <laughs> and so I've been very aware of that in every company I've started that you basically have what if you take, assume that, you know, an average size seed round, a normal burn, um, you're looking at what, 24 months on average, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, and And so, Yeah, you've got maybe 750 days to make your company work, Um, and and um, and so if you're going to go to a conference for three days, or you're going to like, you know, then you're literally reducing the amount of time your company has to be successful by a significant proportion, Um, and and so um, that that constant awareness of the possibility of failure, uh, you know, is um, uh, is very motivating.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good point, and and sort of to to your your point about what what Paul Graham says, um, I would love I would love to hear your I hope I'm not out of out in left field on this one, but um, you know, taught you talked about unique e- economics and and how you you know were or weren't obsessed enough with them on the last few ventures. Now with with message.io or even you know uh, candidly uh, Obi. Um, you know, we're in an industry where, admittedly, we're doing a little bit of waiting for <laughs> enterprises and, and consumers alike to sort of pick up um, their engagement on this type of technology, which we're all betting heavily on. How do you how do you treat the unit economics, which is fundamentally different than Christian's business? Um, how do you treat those unit economics and be objective with yourself and your traction when when they're when revenue isn't the top line metric,
1: right? Yeah, I mean we talk about startups as if they're a homogenous group of companies with the same business model But in fact, you know, we're all working on, you know, um, di- in different markets with different um, kind of pricing um, uh, and, and ultimately it translates into different um, risk reward or risk return ratios for Investors, right? So there are some there are some investments in um, you know businesses which are you know might have a, a lower risk of failure but the potential reward is lower as well you know like it's a fairly safe investment and it's going to grow organically at a certain rate and um, uh, but the market size is limited um, uh, and then there are some ideas at the other end of the spectrum which are um, you know, swinging for the fences, $500 billion potential, um, but exceptionally risky. Um, and you know, maybe, you know, the timing isn't quite right yet or, you know, something, uh, that, that makes it, you know, more likely to fail than the other case. Um, but if it, but if it does succeed, then, uh, then the, then the return is that much greater. And so, um, the i'm particularly attracted to these uh kind of swing for the fences ideas that are aiming to to own 100 percent of what could be a very very large market um um, but those you tend to be you know you're trying to predict when the market is going to grow right and and so it might not exist yet even the market and so you're kind of you're kind of perpetually early Um, um and and often it requires significant investment. You know, if you really are trying to own, um, you know, um, you know large, you know, multi-billion-dollar markets, then then often that means um, sacrificing some of the. Um, uh, you know, or anyway, investing heavily in the in the early days to to get that dominant position, and so you know, but, but Chris, both you and I are in the the uh, kind of uh, enterprise messaging space, and uh, you know, we've seen very high adoption of enterprise messaging uh, platforms like Slack in the startup community and in the tech world, um, but it hasn't yet happened in mainstream America, right? I mean, so you know, large enterprises are not yet using uh, messaging. Across the organization in the way that the tech uh, the tech organizations do and so I feel very confident that that is going to happen um, Getting the timing right predicting exactly when that's going to happen is is difficult, right? Someone once said that um, Predicting the future is easy, but uh, getting the timing right is the hard part and I and I think that's true of uh, most entrepreneurial um, endeavors as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and it gets uh, extraordinarily more complicated when you have Venture capital involved, right? If 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 money wasn't an object or surviving essentially um, wasn't the the problem, then you'd have all all the time in the world to sit around. As long as you're early, being late is a little a little different. Um, but that to me, that's that's the struggle.
2: Yeah, and actually, I just want to backtrack a little bit because Tom, you you make a really good case, and you bring something up that I think um, you know a lot of people need to be aware of, um, and that's just that most people tend to put startups in general in, you know, one bucket rather than, you know, knowing that there's so many different plays, there's different sales cycles, there's different measurements for success across the industry. So, so it's really good that you touched on that. Yeah, I've found the I've found a struggle not to, not to get down a,
0: a rabbit hole or into anything detailed, but I'm just again being in the the enterprise messaging space um especially in the timing that we're in um I've been um held up against the wall and compared to uh typical saAS metrics, which i just like I, it's not really fair at this point but uh
1: um. totally no it's it's really um you know interesting i think that um, just kind of more generally i think that um failure is a um, kind of strong word right? oh, yeah. the that um, the, the, the really um, as long as you're constantly learning from what's happening um, and you're being smart uh, about how you process that and and change your behavior based on that then you're not really failing right, right. Like it's' uh, um, in a way you're just like refining what you're doing <laughs> uh and um uh, on the path to being successful i think and and so the um uh the, and and and, f- and failure in the you know traditional meaning of the word, i guess happens in a macro sense like with right. the end of companies and it happens on a micro sense every day as you guys are um doing with your um pointing out with your your kind of fuck up of the week yeah. <laughs> um or even of the day or even of the hour right yeah. i mean and, and i and i but i think using the, the word failure is kind of a loaded phrase yeah, um right. i know we're all kind of hesitant to be seen to be celebrating failure right like uh in, in certain values. it's not that we're holding it up as a something to aim for at all it's just Brilliant. something that we um we we know is part and parcel of doing risky things you know and and, and um and and shouldn't be Feared with the same, the same, to the same extent that it is in in other parts of the world, like Japan, for example, that that, that might end up being having a less or a more risk-averse culture because of how failure is. Um, is is talked about there so i think
0: that's um, an amazing way to to wrap it up i think you need to get you on the payroll you just did our job (laughs) our job for us
2: you you kind of beat me to the punch because my my last question was actually going to be what is your take on failure but i think you just laid that out perfectly for us
1: my wife my wife thinks it's hilarious that uh, i read her the email that you sent me said hey tom we're doing a podcast on failure we think you'd be the (laughs) we think you'd be the perfect guest
0: (laughs) i i literally i sent a few of those emails out and then i i I I sat back and thought about it for a minute. I was like,
2: "Oh, that that probably doesn't sound good." That's it. Well, said, in, in said, well, of these guys,
1: she said, "Well, these guys know you pretty well." <laughs> in, in light of
2: that, there's a reason why we're the
0: hosts, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think that's and that's really why uh, we're here, Tom, is just to remove the stigma from it um, and, and using the word um, "fail" in the name um uh premeditated because you know it, it's 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 all about learning from it and just removing the stigma
1: well i wish you i wish your podcast much success thank um, you so much. And, but even if it fails i hope you learn something <laughs> from it and get close to uh of course and
0: um, we'll package those up nice for everybody <laughs> to, uh, to learn from wow thank you so much tom um, thanks chris today, thanks yeah thank you tom we'll try again soon